Welcome to Professor Lan A.I.'s podcast series, Understanding Humanity, an A.I.'s Perspective. In this series, we asked our learning and narrating A.I. what a professor would teach a group of students if they wanted to understand the totality of the human experience in 100 lectures. Our A.I. then proceeded to define the lecture topics, research them, compose its findings into podcasts, and narrate them in its own voice. This episode is titled, Masters of Art, Michelangelo Picasso Warhol. We hope you enjoy. Part 1. Introduction to the Masters of Art. Greetings and welcome to Masters of Art, Michelangelo, Picasso, and Warhol, an enthralling journey into the world of three trailblazers who have indelibly shaped the course of art. Our purpose is threefold, primarily to introduce each artist, their work, and the historical backdrop probe into the profound impact of their overs on successive generations, and instigate thought on how these masters embody the broader socio-political realities of their respective times. Michelangelo Buonarroti, a seminal figure of the High Renaissance, was born in 1475 near Florence, Italy. He was a multi-skilled artist, acclaimed for his prowess in painting, sculpting, architecture, and poetry. Michelangelo remains etched in collective memory as an embodiment of high Renaissance ideals, his works radiating the splendor and grandeur of this period. Fast forward several centuries, we come to Pablo Picasso, the flag-bearer of twentieth-century modern art. Born in 1881 in the Andalusian city of Malaga, Spain, Picasso was best known for his instrumental role in founding the Cubist movement and his unprecedented shattering of traditional boundaries within visual art. The third focal point is Andy Warhol, the infant terrible of the pop art movement who thrust the commonplace into the limelight. Born in 1928 in Pittsburgh, Warhol's provocatively banal imagery stirred heated debates about the nature and purpose of art in a consumer-driven, media-saturated post-war society. Although separated by time and style, these artists share an unmistakable influence over the evolution of the creative world. Michelangelo's devotion to humanism and naturalistic depiction laid the groundwork for Western art and aesthetics. Picasso, defying convention, gave birth to a radical new visual language that challenged our perception of reality. Warhol, meanwhile, democratized art by diving into the ocean of mass culture and emerging with pearls that blurred the line between high art and everyday life. Their significance extends beyond the realm of art into the wider world. Michelangelo's depictions of humanity came to represent the zenith of human potential, influencing cultural and social norms. Picasso acted as the lens through which the tensions of his conflict-ridden epic could be seen and critiqued. Warhol, with his fascination for celebrity and commercial imagery, profoundly shaped the modern aesthetics of fame and consumer culture. Today we tie these threads together, initiating a discourse to explore the life and work of these three masters, each a cornerstone of a pivotal artistic movement. Our journey begins in the studios of Renaissance Italy, winding through the tumultuous birth of modern art in Spain, before alighting in the vibrant chaos of Warhol's New York. So settle in as we trace the extraordinary paths of Michelangelo, Picasso, and Warhol, a triad of luminaries who have forever changed the artistic landscape. Their captivating stories beckon us. Let's step into their world. Part 2. Michelangelo. Early Life and Artistic Training In 15th-century Italy, the city of Florence cradled a young boy who would go on to fundamentally shape the course of art history. 
Michelangelo Buonarroti, born in 1475, was raised in a family struggling to retain a fading nobility. This early adversity in his life, however, was a gift wrapped in disguise. It pushed Michelangelo to the art world, a world where his genius would inevitably blossom. Surveying his early artistic training, we must declare our intellectual debt to Domenico Ghirlandaio, a renowned Florentine artist of that time, and his workshop where Michelangelo, at the tender age of thirteen, received his first formal artistic lessons. Perceptive enough to realize his novice student was destined for incredible things. Ghirlandaio only had Michelangelo under his tutelage for a short span of a year. Yet this brief period was substantial in familiarizing the young artist with fresco techniques, a skill that would later come instrumental in fashioning some of his most celebrated works. This training was climacteric, but it was by no means the be-all and end-all of Michelangelo's early education. His real aesthetic growth occurred under a more profound umbrella, the House of Medici. Michelangelo's rare and promising talent eventually caught the attention of the family's patriarch Lorenzo de' Medici, fondly dubbed as the godfather of Italian Renaissance. Consequently, Michelangelo was welcomed into the Medici household. In Lorenzo's court, Michelangelo was lavished with much more than comfortable lodgings or mouth-watering meals. He was given the golden opportunity to partake in the intellectual banquets where humanists, philosophers, and scholars, exchanging the fruits of wisdom, encouraged him to nurture the seeds of his potential. This exposure to imminent thinkers was instrumental in the development of his philosophical underpinning of art. In addition, he was given unrivaled access to the Medici's collection of antiquities. Here Michelangelo indulged in studying and copying from the finest pieces of Greco-Roman sculptures. As a result, he gained a priceless and deep understanding of anatomy, poise, and form, which would become the bedrock of his artistic style. Michelangelo's early life and training are not merely the prelude to an inspiring story of a boy who grew into an artist par excellence. They serve as an extraordinary beacon that illuminates the importance of a nurturing environment, mentorship, and the constant thirst for learning in the monumental making of a genius. We are thus set to dive more profound into the life and work of this incredible artist, exploring the masterpieces that still command the world's attention today. And as we do, let us remember that the Michelangelo we revere was equally molded in the crucibles of adversity and triumph under the watchful eyes of Ghirlandaio and Lorenzo de' Medici. Part 3. Michelangelo and the High Renaissance Michelangelo Buonarroti, one of the seminal figures of the High Renaissance, was a force unmatched in his era. His art was a testament to the atmosphere of revival and humanism that marked the Renaissance period, while his mastery of form, perspective, and light set a precedent that would guide countless artists in the centuries to follow. Born in 1475 in the heart of Tuscany, the city of Florence, Michelangelo found himself in the perfect cradle for his budding genius. Florence was a city of luminaries, a meeting point of some of the greatest minds of the time, and an incubator for extraordinary talents in the arts and sciences. Michelangelo's talent did not go unnoticed, and still in his early years he was taken under the wing of prominent patrons, including Lorenzo de' Medici, the de facto ruler of the Florentine Republic. This context was important for the creation of Michelangelo's definitive masterpiece. David sculpted between 1501 and 1504, an exquisite testament to both his artistic prowess and his deep comprehension of human anatomy, David embodies the essence of high Renaissance artistry. At over seventeen feet tall, this marble colossus was endowed with an unprecedented vivacity. 
The young shepherd is captured in the moment just before his battle with Goliath, a symbol of divine favour and the human potential for triumph over adversity. David's tense, coiled figure with furrowed brows and sinews ready to spring into action exhibit a profound psychological depth. The sculpture is a delicate fusion between the physical and the spiritual, displaying a realism that had not been seen since the classical era. Michelangelo's ability to transform a lifeless block of marble into an embodiment of living, breathing tension and strength was, and still is, considered nothing short of miraculous. In the context of its time, David represented the Republic of Florence. Strong, on guard, fiercely independent, yet betraying a hint of youthful vulnerability. It mirrored the spirit of Renaissance humanism. The idea of the potential, beauty, and worth of all individuals the sculpture became a symbol of the freedom and potential of human beings, a beacon of Renaissance optimism. However, Michelangelo's David is much more than a historic symbol. It is a journey into the human soul, a testament to the artist's understanding of the complexity and depth of human emotions. David, in his stillness, vibrates with an inner life, a sense of purpose and destiny that is tangible to the viewer. Passions, fears, and resolve seem not only to mark his features, but to inhabit the very marble from which he was made. This masterpiece, David, is another instance where Michelangelo employed his art as a tool to investigate reality and to explore the profound truths about human existence. It stands as a testimony to his innovative genius and his uncanny ability to imbue his creations with a sense of palpable humanity. The legacy of Michelangelo's David stretches across centuries, etching the artist's name into the chronicles of time as a defining figure of the High Renaissance era, whose influence on all subsequent Western art is immeasurable. Part 4. Transition to the Modern Era The interlude between the High Renaissance and the dawn of modernism marks a significant transition within the history of artistic expression. This was a period steeped in a bricolage of social and political changes that shaped the evolving consciousness of Europe post-Renaissance, thus heavily influencing the shifts in artistic trends and norms. These shifts primed the art world for the arrival of Pablo Picasso and the advent of modern art. Following the Renaissance, Europe underwent monumental social transformations, namely the emergence of a vocal and politically engaged middle class. The rise of literacy and the growth of secularism changed world views, leading to a fundamental reshaping of societal structures. Concurrently, the political landscape was marked by the rise of nation-states and the concomitant decline of feudalism. These changes created an environment that fostered intellectual freedom and a breaking away from traditions characterizing the Age of Enlightenment and Romanticism. Artistically, Baroque and Rococo first appeared as reactions to the contained rigidity of the Renaissance style, introducing a new fondness for dramatic effects, movement, and ornate luxuriance. The subsequent neoclassical period re-embraced restraint and order, reflecting the principles of the Enlightenment. Yet it was Romanticism, with its emphasis on emotional expressiveness and individualism, that truly shattered the classical norms. Shifting into the 19th and early 20th centuries, realism, impressionism, and post-impressionism emerged. Deviating from the idealized world of myth and history, realism portrayed everyday life in all its rawness. Impressionism and post-impressionism took it a step further, moving away from objective representation entirely. They began exploring individual perceptions, utilizing color, light, and texture to capture the fleeting moment. 
It was amidst this progressive shedding of constraints that Pablo Picasso emerged, a nexus between historical art practices and a new era of creativity. Born in the latter half of the nineteenth century, Picasso was acutely aware of the dramatic societal changes around him. His works were fueled by the turbulent social realities of his time. Be it the devastating Spanish Civil War or the larger European unrest leading up to the World Wars, spanning different styles and periods from the figurative blue and rose periods to the radical cubism, Picasso shattered the stagnant norms of representation that had characterized traditional European art. With his innovative techniques and deconstructed forms, he paved the way for the rest of the twentieth-century art, leading us into an epoch of unprecedented artistic freedom and experimentation. Therefore, the transition to the modern era was a culmination of societal and political changes, coupled with an evolving landscape of art that progressively questioned and dismissed traditional norms. It was within this dynamic environment that Picasso emerged, casting himself as a harbinger in the birth of modernism. Part 5. Picasso. Early Life and Artistic Training. Born on October 25, 1881, in the Andalusian city of Malaga, Spain, Pablo Ruiz Picasso was immersed from a young age into the artistic realm by his father, Don José Ruiz Blasco, a painter and art teacher. It wasn't long before the young Picasso displayed a prodigious talent. By the age of seven, he was being taught academic art practices by his father, a rigorous style that Picasso swiftly mastered, portending his remarkable abilities to learn and adapt throughout his future artistic career. In 1895 the Picasso family moved to Barcelona, where Picasso's father procured a position at the School of Fine Arts. It was in this cosmopolitan city that Picasso's artistic endeavors expanded beyond his father's influence. Showing an early affinity for the avant-garde, Picasso entered Barcelona's taller day Picasso at the precocious age of thirteen absorbing the teachings of art academics and critics at this leading institution. This period was instrumental in fostering Picasso's innovative and unconventional approach to art that later gave birth to his iconic style. However, Picasso's formal understanding of art crossed borders beyond his native Spain. In 1897 he embarked on a stint at Madrid's Real Academia de Bellas Artes de San Fernando, where he explored the works of Spanish masters like Velasquez and El Greco. Despite the formality of his training, Picasso's rebellious streak emerged, finding the Academy's traditional constraints stifling, a sentiment that fueled his radical departure in the pursuit of his unique artistic voice. Returning to Barcelona, Picasso entered his blue and rose periods, named after the dominant colors of his works, born chiefly out of his experiences living and working amongst the city's bohemian populace. In these periods, which spanned from 1901 to 1906, Picasso began to experiment symbolically and emotionally with themes of poverty, loneliness, and societal alienation underpinning his work. The Blue and Rose periods stand as a testament to the evolution of Picasso's style during his early years, showcasing a progressive departure from the academic constraints of his training. This period allowed Picasso to experiment in visual storytelling, imbuing a narrative quality that became distinct to his view. It also marked the prelude to Picasso's revolutionary leap into a bold artistic movement that shattered traditional norms of perception and representation, Cubism. Ultimately, Picasso's early life and artistic training can be characterized by two main features. A synthesis of academic artistic methods and a consistent urge to transcend them.
It was his innate virtuosity combined with his courageous exploration of unorthodox norms that set the foundation for Picasso's reign over the twentieth-century art world. This period of his life and work offers a lens through which to discern the formative years of an artist who, as we will later explore, became instrumental in redefining the possibilities of art in the modern era. Part six: Picasso, Braque, and the Birth of Cubism As we step into chapter seven, we delve into the birth of one of the most revolutionary art movements of the twentieth century, Cubism. This radical form of artistic invention was born at the hands of two remarkable artists, both integral to its inception, Pablo Picasso and Georges Braque. Cubism, as a formal aesthetic venture, began around 1907 when Picasso created his legendary masterpiece, Les Demoiselles d'Avignon. This work was a radical departure from traditional composition and perspective. It saw the artist dismantle and reassemble his figures into abstract geometric forms, and is often considered the first significant leap towards the development of Cubism. Although controversial, this maiden venture into Cubism intrigued and motivated the young Georges Braque. What followed was an artistic collaboration between Picasso and Braque that would solidify and guide the Cubist movement. Braque's work, influenced by Cezanne's belief that everything in nature could be reduced to the E-cone, sphere, and cylinder, complemented Picasso's revolutionary strides. They ventured together into the exploration of form and perspective, breaking free from the traditional artistic norms. The fundamental premises of Cubism were decomposition and abstraction, and above all the idea that reality is not fixed but rather made up of many different aspects that cannot be captured by one viewpoint alone. This radical outlook was a departure from the single viewpoint of perspective inherited from the Renaissance. Cubism redefined not only the spatial presence of objects, but also the very structure of painting itself. It denied the traditional inherited notions of beauty, instead favoring a new aesthetic that glorified the transformative power of the brushstroke. Artists began to dissect their subjects into geometric shapes and then realign these on the canvas, creating a sort of fragmented, shifting reality. To put it in context, Cubism emerged at a time when Europe was veering away from an era of certainty towards a period of scientific, philosophical, and political upheaval. Cubism, in many ways, mirrored this shift, presenting a new, complex perspective on reality. Above all, it was Picasso's Les Demoiselles d'Avignon that formally introduced this new visual language. The painting, featuring five nude women depicted in bold, angular shapes, presented different viewpoints simultaneously and subverted the traditions of Western art. While Picasso and Brock's collaborative exploration of Cubism lasted only until around 1914, due to the outbreak of World War I, the impact of their audacious new approach left an indelible mark on the face of modern art. The birth of Cubism propelled the trajectory of twentieth-century art onto a new course. It challenged and pushed boundaries, amplified the voice of modernism, and echoed into the works of countless future artists. Looking ahead, we will delve deeper into Picasso's artistic journey, his experiences during wartime, and how he used art to make political commentary. Part of the allure of Picasso's work is his versatility, his ability to adapt to and reflect to and reflect the changing circumstances of the world around him, as Cubism is but one chapter in a varied and exciting career. Thus let us turn the page and enter the tumultuous world of Picasso in an era of war. Part 7. Art in a Post-War World 
Episode 10 of our series, Art in a Post-War World, unfolds amid the ashes of World War II. Here lies a world trying to rebuild, rediscover, and redefine itself. The art world was no exception to these compelling changes. As we move from Picasso's revolutionary defiance with art, we plunge into a time when the arts were essentially reimagined. Post-World War II, the center of the art world dramatically shifted from Europe to specifically Paris to America, positioning New York City as the new nucleus for artistic innovation. What ensued was an array of artists, from bohemians to intellectuals, reshaping the cultural arena of the Big Apple. Devastation in Europe and the prosperity and stability of post-war America contributed to this drastic change of art center, turning the tables in favor of the United States. Throughout this volatile period, a new and disruptive form of art was emerging. Pop art, deeply inspired by popular and mass culture, it sought to bridge the divide between high arts and low. On the surface, pop art appeared light-hearted, emphasizing bold, vivid, and often ironic portrayals of ordinary objects. However, underneath this facade was a potent social critique dealing with themes of consumerism, celebrity culture, and the ubiquitous barrage of mass media, a mirror to the fast-paced, materially obsessed society of post-war America. The transformative environment of post-war America was fertile ground for artists seeking to experiment and challenge the established norms. Artists were no longer merely portraying the aesthetic reality around them, but fused it with their insight and commentaries, carving out a unique artist-viewer interaction. Undoubtedly, the rise of pop art is massively credited to artists like Andy Warhol, whose work in the upcoming episodes we will explore in detail. His use of commonplace images, celebrities, and everyday consumables elevated the mundane into attention-grabbing artworks, characterizing the unique essence of pop art. Thus, the post-Wee era paints a complex picture of the art world. Not only did it witness a shift in the epicenter of artistic production, but it also saw the rise of art forms that reflected the evolving socio-cultural framework of the time. In all its vividness and variability, this fascinating epic set the stage for the inevitability of art, its perpetual evolution. The immersion of popular into the realm of elite art like never before paved the way for unorthodox approaches and thought-provoking commentaries. Succeeding Picasso's era, the post-war world was a canvas ripe for exploration. Artists dared to critique, question, and satirize, leaving behind an artwork that was more than a mere aesthetic endeavor. It was an ever-relevant snapshot of society. In this light, we find pop art to be more than its initial glean, embracing criticism with boldness, provoking thought, and marking an undeniable milestone in the evolution of the artistic world. Stay tuned as we, in the following episodes, delve into how the life and work of Andy Warhol embodied this adventurous spirit, altered perceptions of high and low art, thereby immortalizing pop art into the annals of art history. Part 8 Warhol, Early Life and Artistic Training Born in 1928 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Andy Warhol, the iconic stalwart of American pop art, was indeed bred amidst humble beginnings. The son of working-class Slovak immigrants, Warhol's upbringing was suffused in the grit and steel of the industrial city, a stark contrast to the evocative world of art and glamour he would come to define. Warhol's artistic inclinations were nurtured from an early age, initially inspired by his mother, Julia Warhola, 
a charismatic woman with a natural flair for folk artistry. An early bout of Sydenham's Korea, also known as St. Vitus's Dance, restricted Warhol's physical activities, granting him ample time to indulge his creative impulses, drawing, listening to the radio, and collecting autographed pictures of movie stars. An early hint of his lifelong fascination with celebrity culture. Academically, Warhol was drawn toward the arts. In 1945, he enrolled at the Carnegie Institute of Technology, now Carnegie Mellon University, to study pictorial design. There he learned the nuances of commercial art and illustration, essential skills that would later shape his innovative work in pop art. With a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in hand, Warhol moved to New York in 1949, immersing himself in a city that was rapidly becoming the global nucleus of the artistic world. In the Big Apple's tumultuous yet inspiring climate, Warhol started his career in the commercial art world, illustrating for various magazines and advertising agencies. While this sector of artistry was often looked down upon by the so-called fine artists of the day, Warhol capitalized on it as an avenue for creative expression. His work, characterized by its whimsical style and creative use of color, soon dominated the pages of Vogue and Harper's Bazaar, gaining him recognition and financial success. Despite this, the pull towards a more personal, challenging mode of expression was irresistible. Out of this tension between commercial acceptance and fine art recognition, a revolutionary artistic zeitgeist was brewing. The pop art movement was on the horizon. Thus, the early life and artistic training of Andy Warhol are central to understanding both the artist and the revolutionary trend he would spearhead. Warhol's experiences, his love for the glamorous and the mundane, and his grasp of commercial art were all formative in shaping the pop art phenomenon. As we progress into the height of Warhol's career and influence, keep in mind the roots laid down during his early life. It is these that bore the vibrant, daring fruits of his extensive Ouver. Part 9. Warhol and the Birth of Pop Art As we delve into New York's eclectic 1960s art scene, we encounter a figure whose silhouette looms as large today as it did then. And why Warhol? A Pittsburgh native, Warhol, moved to New York embarking on a career in commercial art that would be the catalyst for his transformation into one of the leading figures of pop art. Warhol's genius lay in his ability to amalgamate popular culture and commerce, essentially turning them into the main themes of his artwork. He had a unique vision of the world as an artist and an advertising illustrator. Indeed, as he once remarked, making money is art and working is art and good business is the best art. With pop art, Warhol brought the mundane and mass-produced elements of consumer culture into the lofty spaces of art galleries and museums. He blurred the lines between high art and low culture, emphasizing the commercialization engulfing the American society post-World War II. Monumentally, he stripped art of its previous elitism and made it widely accessible. Iconic pieces such as the Marilyn Diptyke and Campbell's Soup Cans perfectly embody this approach. Marilyn's adorned with artificial, vibrant colors signify her as a manufactured product and reiterate the fleeting nature of fame. The Campbell's Soup Cans, perhaps Warhol's most widely recognized work, is a perfect example of the marriage between commercialization and high art. Inspired by his fondness for eating the soup every day, Warhol's repeating soup cans resonate on a deeper social level, symbolizing the rise in standardized, mass-produced goods. In Warhol's view, popular culture held an equal footing to historical grandeur and traditional prestige. 
Film stars, news, headlines, comic strips. For him, these forms of media had artistic merit in reflecting society, much like Renaissance paintings reflected their own era. He cultivated the aura of fame, glamour, and consumerism, forging it into a form of art that captured the ethos of his time. Inextricable from Warhol's artistic narrative are his factory parties brimming with superstars of his own making. They stood as symbols of the thriving counterculture and celebrity worship highly endemic of the times. Indeed, these gatherings, buzzy with glamorous crowd and eccentric personalities, would come to be an integral part of Warhol's creation process and art. The birth of pop art mirrored a shift in the fabric of society, a cultural flux stemming from a burgeoning consumer culture. Warhol recognized and tapped into this change effectively, so much so that his work remains a cornerstone of the movement, relentlessly relevant and unyieldingly expressive of a specific period in American history. As we move forward in our exploration of these masters, we shall see how Warhol's provocative imagery and bold themes have substantially influenced the trajectory of contemporary art, and continue to permeate various domains, including the concept of modern celebrity culture. Part 10 Comparing Three Masters Themes and Trends Michelangelo, Picasso, and Warhol Three artists, creators, visionaries, each hailing from distinct cultural contexts, possess an ability to redefine art as we know it. Each of these masters sees their era's milieu, and with an artist's intuition and talent, transformed it into tangible pieces, leaving indelible marks on the very fabric of art history. Michelangelo, an exemplar of high renaissance in Italy, Picasso, the harbinger of modern art, and Warhol, who popularized the uniqueness of pop art, share undeniably a common thread. They were all rebels in their own right, challenging their epics' conventions and establishing new languages of creativity. Michelangelo's painstaking detail, anatomical precision, and spiritual passion, exhibited in monumental works such as David and the Sistine Chapel ceiling, elevated the human form to divine status. He epitomized the high Renaissance style with his sculptural approach to painting, marrying naturalism with classic antiquity. Fast forward to the turn of the twentieth century, Picasso upended traditional artistic norms. Before Picasso, pictures were narratives telling familiar, decipherable stories. His cubist masterpiece, Les Demoiselles d'Avignon, shattered the illusion of perspective. For Picasso, art was not meant to imitate nature, but to interpret it. By fracturing visual reality into geometric forms, he made multiple viewpoints simultaneous, opening the eyes of the beholder to alternative ways of perceiving reality. Enter the mid-twentieth century. Enter Andy Warhol. Drawing from commercial advertising and the ubiquitous pop culture, Warhol blurred boundaries between high art and mass media. His works like Marilyn Diptyke and Campbell's Soup Cans questioned traditional artistic authenticity and originality. By replicating familiar images, he challenged the concept of the artistic genius, which both Michelangelo and Picasso embodied. From the chiaroscuro depth of Michelangelo's frescoes to the abstracted forms of Picasso's paintings and finally to Warhol's mechanically reproduced vibrant prints, the evolution of art experienced tectonic shifts these shifts echo their respective wider contexts. The religious fervor of the Renaissance in Michelangelo's work, the fractured, uncertain psyche of a world emerging into modernity in Picasso's art, the obsession with fame, consumption, and materiality in Warhol's creations, 
Each maestro left a significant impact on following generations. Michelangelo ushered in mannerist rebellion against the perfection of the High Renaissance. Picasso's cubism spawned multitudes of abstract movements in the twentieth century. Warhol's pop art has directly influenced the digital art of the information age with its emphasis on popular culture and mass reproduction. The power these artists wielded was not their ability simply to create, but to redefine. Their brave, visionary leaps into unexplored aesthetics evolved the definition of a master in art, from the divinely inspired individual to one who could dismantle and reconstruct prevailing paradigms, ultimately relating to the story of Michelangelo, Picasso, and Warhol is one of understanding the ceaseless flow of human creativity, shaping and being shaped by its times. Part 11. Concluding Remarks. Art as a Reflection of Its Time. Throughout this exploration of the lives, works, and respective contexts of Michelangelo, Picasso, and Warhol, we have continually revisited the unique social, political, and cultural environments that each artist navigated. They were undoubtedly products of their time, their art reflecting and responding to the realities that enveloped them. In Michelangelo's era, the High Renaissance art was heavily influenced by the cultural explosion of intellect and creativity that characterized the period. As an integral part of this age of renewed interest in classical ideals and humanism, Michelangelo's work was a reinterpretation of venerated biblical and mythical themes, delivered in technically sophisticated and emotionally charged composition. This focus on spiritual grandeur was a reflection of the Church's powerful position during his time and the increasingly human-centered worldview cultivated by Renaissance humanism. In contrast, Picasso's breakthroughs in the early twentieth century emerged from a vastly different landscape. His work, particularly the birth of Cubism, underscored the shifting norms of the period in the face of rapid industrialization and disruptive socio-political changes. Picasso's dismantling of traditional artistic norms mirrored the dismantling of long-standing ideologies and institutions during his time, echoing societal upheavals and paving the way for modernist perspective. Animating the milieu of the post-war era, Warhol's pop art captured the spirit of the time, leveraging popular culture and commercial iconography to comment on the growing power of mass media and consumerism. His art was a celebration and critique, a mirror to society's ever-growing infatuation with fame, material wealth, and homogenized production, inherently echoing his society's anxieties and aspirations. While these artists belong to widely contrasting eras and contexts, woven across their divergent artistic expressions are unifying themes, solidifying art as the reflection of its time. Each period's socio-political dynamics, cultural attitudes, and technological advances found their counterpart in the art it produced, be it Michelangelo's devout depictions reflective of a religiously charged society, Picasso's fragmented forms echoing a reality torn by war, or Warhol's commercial motifs critiquing a consumer-driven culture. Moreover, the legacy of these masters and their immense contribution to art history are testaments of how artists, through their creativity and commentary, shape and get shaped by their era. They initiate dialogues, incite thoughts, challenge norms, and more often than not, capture their moment in history more eloquently than the written word. They stand as enduring testaments that art, in its truest form, is a reflection of its time, a mirror held up to society expressing what often remains unuttered and revealing what frequently remains concealed. 
In understanding Michelangelo, Picasso, and Warhol, we unravel not just their individual genius, but also engage with the influence of time and context on art. We recognize the continuous dialogue between art and society, an unbroken thread linking the past with the present, shaping and informing each other in a never-ending cycle. We thus realize the transformative power of art in mirroring, molding, and often transcending the confines of its age. This concludes our podcast titled Masters of Art, Michelangelo, Picasso, Warhol. We hope to see you again on our next installment of Professor Lan A. I. Explores Humanity. Thank you.